more about co-housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We're developing the first co-housing project in Texas, and we're really glad you found us today. There. Good morning. Good afternoon. Hi, Lynn. Hi, hi, Kelly. We've got Sharon with us here today. So we've got Sharon Staley. We've um, we're very, very honored to have somebody with her kind of background in our podcast here today. Sharon is an F A S I D R I D, and Sharon, I'm going to have to ask you in a minute to actually decipher those for us. But she's a Sharon of Sharon Staley Interiors in Houston, Texas. And I had been scouting around for somebody who could maybe come in and be interviewed by us about what it's like to design for small spaces. You know, an interior designer who really has a lot of expertise and background on small spaces. And I asked one of my friends who's an interior designer, and she had just the perfect contact for me. And thankfully, she was willing and able and ready to hop on a Zoom call with us to record this. So please welcome Sharon. Hello, Sharon. Thank you. And Sharon, can you tell us what is FASID and RID? Uh, FASID is, ASID is American Society of Interior Designers. They've been around for many, many years, and I've been honored to be selected as a fellow of that organization. And RID is registered interior designer. So in the state of Texas, you have to have the credentials to be registered as an interior designer, not decorator in the in Texas. And I am that also. Wow. Excellent. Wow. wow. You hit the jackpot. I know. Than I had expected. So Lynn, this is impressive. In case anybody's following Lynn's like personal emotional journey on this downsizing, she has turned the corner from it has to happen to now, how do we make it amazing? And now this is really, I feel like this conversation is really going to help us envision how you can make a small space look yeah. amazing. And, you know, like something we're reaching towards rather than, oh my gosh, I have to downsize, you know, I'm excited about this. Yeah, me too. Me too. I can, you can tell Kelly, thank you for acknowledging that, that I'm, I'm turning a corner here. Yeah, so, Sharon, We all I- turn corners, just yeah. different stages of our life. Yeah. Yeah. So Sharon, before we dive into my very specific questions about this whole emotional journey of downsizing, could you just tell us a little bit about how you came to working in small spaces? Because that's not like typical for your average Texas interior designer, correct? (laughs) Right. Correct. Well, I've always worked in the commercial residential field. I've done hotels. We've done planes. We've done boats. We've done all kinds of things. Wow. And just through my journey, I've met so many people and helped through that journey, parents, and then a lot of clients are downsizing and I was going to retire, so to speak, and my retirement turned into my own self downsizing (laughs) and helping so many of my clients and their family or friends. And you know, it's been really interesting. I have to say it's probably been the most rewarding aspect of the business that I've been in. I grew up in this business. My dad had 
furniture stores in Houston. And I started working in those stores when I was in the fifth grade. So <laughs> it has been great because we kind of did, did one kind of houses in through the furniture stores. And then I got into regular, <clears throat> excuse me, interior design, larger spaces. And now coming back, it's incredibly rewarding, very realistic, just an honor to be able to, to work with people along their journey. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a great segue into kind of what I'm really very interested in chatting with you about today. And that is the emotional considerations of this process. Cause you know, for those people who've been listening to our podcast for a couple of years now, you'll know, I have a lot of emotional, um, um, I mean, a lot of emotions and a lot of fears and a lot of nervousness, et cetera. So I thought, let's talk to somebody about this who's worked with lots of clients who've gone through the same thing that I'm stepping out into. And maybe you could just talk a little bit to kick this off about what is the emotional journey like for people who move into smaller spaces? How does it start out? Well, I think a lot of people are just, it's number one, it's the unknown. You're on a path you've never been on. Many people, you know, move up, go different directions to a bigger space. But honestly, it's more fun to go to a smaller space because you have to you have to have the conversation about what the needs are, what the goal is, how many people are going to be there, what are you expecting? And people think that you know, if I scale down, they're not going to come see me because there won't be space or Mm. um, I don't know how to work this room because I've never, I'm used to a big sectional and now I know I can't have that anymore. And, Uh, you know, I can add three leaves to my dining room table and now I can't. So it's the emotional roller coaster. I think you go through about what your personal expectations are as you downscale, but the realistic expectations when you downscale. I think honestly, those are two different things. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, do you ever encounter anybody who mentions something about image or maybe they don't want to say that, but you notice it that, you know, you mentioned well, it's about- like, um, how did this nice big house and now I'm moving into a much smaller house. And that's not necessarily the case because you can make smaller houses so much more cozier, more user-friendly really, and more quaint mm-hmm. as, as you downscale. And, you know, sometimes it's really not downscaling. It's just more realistic space doing what you're doing. And you don't have a lot of excess air around you. Yeah. You know, Sharon, I think about that. Sometimes I walk into a big house with like a big entryway, you know, and you just feel kind of lost. You feel it's boomy. It sounds, you know, the sound isn't kind of human scale. It doesn't really feel like it was made for you. And sometimes the volume, it's the velocity. Volume. Yeah, exactly. Mm, that's interesting. Say, and say a little bit more about this coziness and how people interact with each other in cozy spaces. Well, it's interesting because like, you know, when you grow up, you're, or I grew up, I had a big family and, you know, when my parents wanted more intimate conversations or somebody got in trouble or you wanted to talk to somebody or we were planning things as a family, we would go in a smaller space. And it was always, 
interesting to me, and I've been able to pass that on, is that you listened better. Mm. Uh, you, you feel more secure. You feel safer in your conversation. You love um, being able to speak because it's much more intimate. It's just, mm. it's just better. It's better. Like you feel safer, like a, you know, I've used the, the terminology of a doctor's office. That's why they're mm-hmm. smaller. Mm-hmm. They're not great big. It's just two or three of you in a space. And it's, you feel safer in that conversation. You feel like they're really listening. People are listening. You're, you're closer together and your eye contact is better. And it just feels like people, you feel more secure. Oh, very nice. It's interesting to me that we started this out with like, people will be, they're afraid that people won't come visit or that their relationships will suffer. But then what you're saying is actually their relationships might be better in a smaller space because you have this coziness and this trust. Well, I think that's true. And it's like, like uh, your true intimate friends are there. Mm -hmm. So that is where it is. Um, you're instead of trying to figure out how to invite 12 people to a party, you're inviting six, but they're, you're really good friends. They're more secure. It's, it's just better. It's a better way of entertaining. It's really more stress-free. You're more stress-free because you don't have all the stuff to think about. And, um, it just makes it, it just makes it easier. It's, you don't have all the, the stuff you just, it's mental stuff, physical stuff. You're just not dealing with stuff. You get down to your most beautiful things that you have, the things that you love the most, the things that mean the most to you, and you get to use them more and you're going to use them for multi-purposes. You know, you do such a great job of just propelling me forward all the way, you know, 18 months from now. I'm just wondering whether there are um, any starting points or any circumstances that you witness in your clients that make them make it harder or make it easier for them to go through this process. Well, you, you want to really sit down and analyze what things really are the most important to you, Uh what you get the best joy out of, not what costs the most money has nothing to do with any of this. What, what you love the most, if it's an antique, maybe it's not, and and you can't use the feeling of, I had this in my family and I want to take it forward if you don't love it, because you don't need to take it forward. You've enjoyed it. You've done their thing and you've moved on. And you just, you know, if you have to write it down on paper, sometimes we have to write it down on paper. What do we love the most? And then- Mm -hmm you look at it and then you're still scaling down, scaling down. Hmm. And that's just what you do. You just, you pick the things that really make you heart happy, make you physically happy lift. You have to think about things that you're lifting too. You, mm-hmm. you have to have things multi-purpose. So if you have a big, huge chair and you like it, you're not going to be able to move that around. It's not going to be as versatile as it was at one time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about this idea of needing to move things around. So that's kind of an intriguing um, consideration in looking at things. I think I'm getting already some ideas about what I might 
take forward through all my international moves, we had to do a detailed inventory. And I'm just thinking about wow. taking that inventory and just kind of going through, okay, what if the container had dropped in the ocean, which would have, <laughs> which of the things would I be crying about the most of this list here? Cause I actually have a list of everything in our house. So that's great. I know Kelly's got some um, specific questions. Okay, yeah, so I want to ask, yeah, I want to, I'm already past the emotional part. We live in a small space. And, um, and I'm most concerned because I want everyone to live in a small space. I'm most concerned with how do people make it look really beautiful, you know, because I think my, uh, generation's visual lexicon is all, you know, larger spaces or some like very weird quirky things, you know, it's not like a standard small space that then you really maximize to make it look as beautiful as possible. Um, so I was wondering... <laughs> First thing is what are some of the things that people overestimate the size of? So for example, in my house, a king size bed is non-negotiable. We're not going to go smaller, but we could change out our sofa or chairs, things like that. So are there some things specifically that you think people should think about the scale of in their home? Well, I think that it's, it's interesting. Some people think you need to go smaller scale on some things, i.e. a love seat, whereas a sofa 84 inch sofa really looks better and fills out a space more than a little love seat would do. So the first tendency that people think about is to use a smaller scale sofa, i.e. love seat. And the reality of that is, is that the sofa really looks better than a love seat. It fills out the space better. You've got a little more space for people to sit, another person even, which, mm-hmm. you know, makes it better and that works better. So not necessarily scale wise, but visual wise, things look better. And again, back to velocity, you, you have a more realistic ceiling height. You may not have those 12 foot ceilings. You have nine foot ceilings, eight foot ceilings, and it changes the whole demeanor of that. You had six chairs before, and now you pick out your best two chairs. And, you know, if you have a view of something that's good, so change that chair to a swivel rocker. You know, if you're going to watch TV, be in a conversation, you know, make it more versatile. It's more user friendly. You need dual purpose, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chairs, dining room chairs. You know, maybe you don't have six chairs around a table, but you can have a chair from a bedroom at a desk or a stool that you used as a dressing table or a musical instrument or, you know, whatever. But just the versatility of that. And again, back to the weight, you want to be sure that you can move it around. It's not so heavy to where, Oh, I got to go get that chair again or whatever. Right. But you want or to like a, like a recliner in. that you cannot pick up. Oh, like you that can't would, pick up. That no. would really help you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay. do a chair in Ottoman. If you're going to, if you enjoy having your feet up and then have the Ottoman to where it can hold something in it, but have it to where that's another seat. If you have company come. Yeah. Or have a sofa table or something where you can put it underneath and maybe it's not an ottoman, it's a footstool. So mm-hmm. the scale of those two things are different. Mm-hmm. Oh, what I do you think? Can I just slip in here because you've kind of blown my mind about the, the uh, couch comment. So I just have to slip in here a question about coffee tables. We haven't talked about those at all. Well, a lot of people will use the Ottomans as a coffee table mm. or you'd get a smaller scale coffee table mm-hmm. or 
you know, you just, you just have to be more versatile. You can use that as a TV tray. A lot of people will put a tray on top and have serving things there or, you know, two layers. If you have a lot of books and things like that, that, that are meaningful to you and you don't have a lot of space for that, then get a dual level mm-hmm. or a collection of sorts. You can put a collection in a coffee table and mm-hmm. have a dual purpose there. You have to multi-purpose things. Oh, yeah. Karen, do you have an opinion about on the floor versus off the floor? My husband and I have an ongoing argument about this. I think because we live in small spaces that things can't be like a couch can't be all the way to the floor or tables shouldn't be all the way to the floor that they need to be lifted. He thinks that's just my personal specific design. You mean because you want to shove things underneath the couch? Is that why? No, no. I want, I want you to be able to see underneath it. To me, that feels spacious and it makes, to me, it feels like, oh, a space is bigger. He thinks I'm just being ridiculous and using it as an excuse. So I want to get Sharon's professional opinion on this. It does make the space look bigger because like visually, if you have a rug, it goes further back. I mean, it does go further back to the eye, gets it off the floor. Um, So it helps with clutter. But now if you have a bed, for instance, and it's up off the floor, you could do a little dust skirt on it and shove everything everything underneath it. So it helps with dual purpose there. You can pull out extra storage. But on the sofa, it does visually, you know, extend your eye if you have a rug, especially. Thank you. I'm going to make a little clip of this. I can this. tell Kelly is yeah. already feeling like this was a very good check, recording. Check yeah. exactly. <laughs> I have another very specific one too. This is one that is um, all over my Instagram feed are people who paint a room all one color and then rhapsodize about how much it makes uh, you know the room seem bigger. And by the whole room, I mean room, trim, ceiling, the whole bit, you know, it's kind of a thing. And I can't, I mean, it's kind of like a big commitment for me to just try it out and see. So I was wondering if you've had people do that and what you think, does it make something feel bigger or does it make it feel cozy or does it feel claustrophobic? It makes it feel more cozy. You know, if you'll do like a bathroom that way, powder Mm -hmm. bath, especially because usually don't have windows and you can paint it all the same. You can paint like the room a dark color and the ceiling, it does bring the ceiling down a little bit more. If you go to some restaurants that have the dark ceiling tiles and things, it feels much more intimate for sure. But that's usually in a big space. Mm -hmm. If you're in a smaller space, I would play with that a little bit more, but I will tell you that if you do a paint, I have a couple of paint colors that I like to use for ceilings and that have a little pink in it. Mm-hmm. but the pink makes it softer, makes the glow feel better, makes it a little more intimate than just a crisp white mm-hmm. or your trim color. You can do the walls a color and like the trim on most things, the, the trim at the floor and the ceiling are white. Yeah. And then you have a different color at the ceiling. If you'll paint the walls and the trim at the top, the crown, the mm-hmm. same color, it does lift it up more nice. and the same as the flip to that. Sometimes if you'll paint the ceiling and the trim, the same, it'll lift. You just have to play whatever color it is, yeah. but you're try to lift your eyes up by the ceiling and all of that. 
but it does, once you envelope the whole room in one color, it does tend to feel much more cozy. But if it's black and dark or real dark green, it may feel a little claustrophobic to some people. Mm-hmm. Depends on the scale of the room, I think. Well, now I'm emboldened to try a different, maybe a different ceiling color, but maybe not all the same color. So thank you. Yeah, these are some really fun things to think about. Um, yeah. When we move into our co-housing, whoever goes first is going to have to be experimenting with some of these <laughs> things. We'll have an experimental unit, you know, where you can say, let's go try out this. Uh, well, and you know, paint is, it's expensive for labor-wise, but the paint's not that much. And, yeah. you know, try a small space. Try it yeah. if you're daring. Do a powder room or a small space. Mm-hmm. Study. Do a study. See what you think. Yeah. Well, Sharon, I think just um, kind of one of our last questions here today is what are some of the surprises of smaller space living that you hear about or you experience yourself? You know, what do people say once they get to the other side of all this? Oh, it's very interesting. It's like I didn't realize it was going to be so easy or Mm -hmm. it looks so great. And I think when you reposition and or repurpose things or repaint things, it makes a big difference. A lot of times people will think you have to use the same picture on the same, above the same dresser or nightstand or whatever. And when you rework it, it is amazing. Number one, how many, it's interesting how many people think I bought something new or are they, well, where did that, where'd you find that painting? It was in your living room. <laughs> and you know, it's really fun because when you redo it in a different way, Mm -hmm. it re the whole scale is different. The whole feel of the room is different and you feel better. It feels Mm -hmm. good to do all of that. And it just entices people to want to redo different things or move different things around. That's what's so much fun. It's, or people think I, I really couldn't do this, but when you do it, it's like, wow, it wasn't as bad as I thought, but you have to, you have to, you know, it's some emotional relief once you get in there. And I think once you get in the smaller spaces, it's like, gosh, I really did this. I'm so proud of myself. Oh, <laughs> and well, that's great. What a great note to, to <clears throat> before we end, 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 is there anything else that you thought you were going to tell us today that we haven't asked you about or that you would just think, oh gosh, I, I really need to make sure they hear this from me. Is there anything else that was on your mind? Just go for it. I mean, don't be scared because you can always redo something. You can move something around. I mean, don't be scared to try new things because you know what? Your gut feeling is going to make things happen. And it's, it's so much fun to, to think about it and do it. And then the realistic realism of it happening. And then you're so proud when it does. Well, thank you, Sharon. I'm, I'm energized. I'm ready. I'm moving to the next step. I'm, I'm grateful for all of the thoughts that you have injected into my process here today. And I just want to thank you again for coming here today and talking. Well, thank you for having me. And if there's anything else, let me know. Okay. Well, thanks, Sharon. Thanks for stopping by today. We're so glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. 
We're active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston.